You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. This is Take Two. It's a late evening here on my end, past midnight my time, which means uh, 1 a.m. in Eastern time for the Indians fans. Uh, it also means we did not miss the action of the day, which was the really interesting trade between the Cardinals and Tampa Bay, and it's interesting on a lot of levels. Um, This could really well set up the Cardinals to do some things. Uh, That was kind of my first thought when I saw it, but let's dive into why Tampa did this. Tampa has been looking at a DH for a while. There was some talk last year that they might consider um, going out and adding Edwin Encarnacion at points. His name had come up, and Jose Martinez is a DH. Let's just be honest. That's what he should be. He is pretty much a butcher in the field. Uh, since he was with St. Louis, he was forced to be an outfielder, occasionally a first baseman, but that was just not the role for him. Tampa Bay, um, before this trade, would have likely had uh, Yoshi Tugo projected as their DH. Now I'm kind of, I'm really intrigued. I don't know what, how how Tampa Bay is going to handle. I mean, they have just a ton of options. Um, Brandon Lowe at second base, we looked at the advanced stats. He's not very good there. Yandy Diaz at third, he's pretty much got that locked up. Uh, Austin Meadows had a strong year in left. Uh, G. Men Choi was all right at first. Hunter Renfro, they went out of their way to get. And first half was fantastic, second half not so much. Uh, I, I still really believe in Willie Adames, Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, offensively, some struggles, but I mean, he's still defensively one of the best there is. And Mike Zunino, I mean, catcher is really probably the only position where I'm like, that's, I don't know what they're going to do. But uh, Joey Wendell is officially like benched. He had a really injury plagued rough season last year after being a, a rookie of the year candidate the year before. And he's there with Daniel Robertson, who's a former top prospect who just hasn't had a chance to get at bats. Um, I mean, Martinez maybe plays first. Uh, maybe he enters a strict platoon with G-Man Choi. Uh, maybe Tutsugo spends some time at first. Uh, it just sets up f- to give them a lot of uh, possibilities to play. Now, Jose Martinez, I'm trying to remember if I said it in the first one or if I said it in this one. He's the son of Carlos Martinez, uh, former Indians great. Uh, and I, I, I jokingly say great. I mean, he's a solid player in his own right. So if you're curious, over his career for his platoon splits, uh, 976 OPS versus lefties, 470 slugging, 405 on base. Against righties, a 305 on base, 426 slugging, 775 OPS. So he's still solid against righties. So this could be a signal of G-Man Choi not having uh, much to do. Uh, you could put Martinez a little bit more at first. That's the best place to put him in the field. You could always sit there and see if Tutsugo is going to uh, maybe try him at first. I don't know. But either way, it's a it's a really interesting lineup. Uh, and Martinez, now he's huge. He's six foot six, but he's never been a huge power guy. Like The power numbers have been good, but not great. And the reason you can... I was kind of surprised it cost as much as it did to get him because... This past year was his age 30 year, and it was a huge decline for him. Uh, you're looking at a guy whose OPS plus was 134, 124, 97. Uh, he'll be 32 in July, so it was like his 30-31 year. 
you do have control of him for 20, 20, 21, uh, 20, 20, you get three years of control that comes with this. And, you know, it's one of those things that 2017, 2018, which is his age 28, 29 year, and his age 29, 30 year, he had over 300 uh, on base percentage of, you know, you average him out about 370, slugging high 400s, but you can look at all those numbers and see there was a slight decline for 2017 to 2018 and then a big decline to 2019. So there is some risk here. Um, I do like Martinez a lot. I've talked about him a lot on this podcast, so I think everybody knows that. Uh, His value was most definitely down, though, at this point. Randy Arozarenia from Havana, Cuba, was the the other player they got in this deal. And he's not just a throw-in. I want to stress that. Uh, the, you know, they got three parts of this deal. Now, he might have been the, the third part in a lot of ways, but he is not a, a throwaway guy. So this past year, uh, across multiple levels in the minors, he was fantastic. Uh, 344 average, 431 on base percentage, 571 slugging. I'm going to go throw his numbers over into Baseball Cube because they give me statistics that I value a little bit more. Though uh, Baseball Reference is always kind of a first first stop, but no, ugh when they have words in the search bar but uh the other piece while i'm getting this up was they got the competitive balance a pick from the cardinals so that gives them an additional first rounder in a what i've talked about you know uh as a deep draft so they get more ammunition more money to play with now they did have to give up their competitive balance b but they're jumping a whole round they're jumping you know uh from the 60s to the 30s. It's it's a it's a significant increase, and the money alone is a very significant increase. So that uh, that was interesting to see picks going both ways. But yeah, so um, you look at it. He had 11% walk rate and a 19% strikeout in Double A, Triple A, where he spent most of the year was an 8% and a 16%. He hit for power there, but I mean everyone hit for power in Triple A this year. But the the bat pip, a 380 and a 404. You want to talk about numbers that show a guy who's making really positive contact? That's him. Signed out of Cuba for $1.25 million, so obviously valued. Uh, 24 years old. I He might be the... He's a big part of this deal. Don't sleep on um, on Randy. I got to look at the name. So I got Rose Arrenia. Uh, undersized guy, but I think he is probably better than you think he is. Um, I, I, I don't think he's someone you want to just kind of sit back and think, oh, you know, this is all about getting Martinez. I mean, Martinez is a good addition. Um, man, poor Nate Lowe. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, but, you know, the, the Cardinals have, they had a ton of outfielders. And now they're they're certainly not there anymore. Harrison Bader looked good in the advanced statistics that we saw recently. Um, and you look, you got him, you got Fowler, you got Ty O'Neill, Lane Thomas. I think Tommy Edmonds still finds some time on the infield. You got Dylan Carlson close. Those are all guys who, uh, and if they bring back Azuna, I mean, they could still have too many outfielders. But this was definitely a, a deal where they traded away two outfielders for other pieces. And, yeah, I just can't... Uh... So, yeah, the official move in the draft, if you're curious, is they go from uh, 66th to 38th. But it's interesting as I look at this kind of breakdown of it. And they don't talk a ton on 
as a Rinia, but I mean the the numbers and the advanced numbers, and he's a good speed guy, and he can play multiple spots. I I think he's a better prospect than he's getting credit for. Like I'm really intrigued by his performance, and I know I can look at those numbers and be like, oh, that's interesting, and be like, oh, I know what Tampa found interesting here. Um, so he, when you look at the the non their fourth outfielder Guillermo Heredia who just signed a minor league deal with someone like yesterday or today I remember seeing that um, he with him gone uh, Arania will kind of step into that fourth outfielder role I think um, Meadows is a lefty Kiermaier is a lefty uh, if they play Tutsugo out there he's another lefty and uh, Renfro is a righty to give them some balancing but yeah, it's uh, I I like what they're doing. I'm I, I dig this deal, um, for uh, Tampa on the the outside. Now that's not to say that St. Louis is getting hosed on this. And uh, to just get back to it, uh, Arosa Rennie as a righty, so that helps even more with the the balancing for Tampa. It's interesting for Tampa for St. Louis. It's interesting from the perspective that they traded away an outfielder in his 30s, but one who's been a really good hitter, uh, an outfielder who's ascending in his value, and a high, relatively high draft pick. I mean, they, they dropped 30, basically, something you we never see in baseball, but, you know, we see all the time in the NFL, which is the trade back. They traded back with this one. Uh, we can finally use that terminology in, in the MLB, but they traded back about 30 spots, and they traded away uh, two guys who were ready to play in the majors. They got... Eduardo Rodriguez, who is a, a catcher who's had to leave rookie ball. Um, probably the, the piece in the deal I am the least familiar with and, and carried the least value to me. Um, not to say that he isn't bad, but uh, not to say that he is bad, I'm sorry. Just someone I don't know super well. But it, it, he feels like a pretty minor piece. Anytime a guy is in rookie ball... Um, and they're not kind of a big money guy, which I'll just double check that he's not a big money guy. Uh, a rookie ball piece is a, is a relatively minor in a deal. So they traded back in the draft, which was one of the pieces. They got a catcher. Um, he was not listed as having been a big money guy, though. Uh, in 2019, he played in uh, 10 games in the rookie league, and he hit 400 in the year before that. He played in 51 games and hit 330. So definitely some fun offensive production, but uh, I'm assuming there was an injury issue, which is why he did not play as much. He is 19 now, just turned 19 the end of November. So the big piece here, of course, is Matthew Libertor. Matthew Libertor was a guy who slid in the draft. There's no other way to really phrase that. I mean, that's what happened with him. He slid in the draft. He was a guy who had the potential to go 1-1 in that draft. And I know I was not quite as high on him as others. I, I thought there were some some reasons for concern. He was not my, uh, you know, I put Gore ahead of him, which I think most people would agree with that now. But at the time, that was a little bit controversial. Uh, and But Libertor slid, and then the Rays pounced, and they've just had these really amazing drafts. Uh, 2018, he, uh, he was in the Rookie League. Kind of throw that out. Yeah, he ended up being the 16th overall pick, but he got, like, top 10 money, $3.5 million. Uh, I believe it was one of the 10 highest ones. He's a big lefty. Tools to be like a really good number two, like one of those guys who could flash number one at points. And this year, as a 19-year-old kid, he turned 20 at the beginning of November. Uh, in A-ball, 
He uh, he had 15 starts over 78 innings, strikeout rate over eight, walk rate under four. Good numbers. I mean, again, he's a developing left-hander. He's an interesting prospect that gives the Cardinals a really interesting left-handed pitcher. And it gives them another piece if they want to chase Nolan Arenado, which has become one of the rumors of the day. Now, let's say they do keep Marcelo Zuna. If you talk about the other rumor of the day, Marcelo Zuna is down to choosing between the Rangers and the Cardinals. Now, if he goes back to St. Louis, St. Louis would likely look in that Arenado deal when you look at the money that St. Louis has locked up in guys, that they would have uh, Dexter Fowler go the other way, which would be kind of humorous because um, if you weren't familiar, Dexter Fowler started out uh, with um, with Colorado. That's where he came up. But, yeah, so he would likely be a guy who would go, I would think, in a deal to uh, if they chased Arenado. And, honestly, I think they could still flip Libertor in that deal. I don't necessarily think this is his permanent home with the way uh, Colorado likes to acquire pitching and the type of pitcher he is. I think he would make it a lot of sense. Now, all of a sudden, um, you probably still have to put Gorman in. Let's just be honest with that. Uh, I know fans would absolutely hate that, but uh, if you look at Gorman, Libertor, they take Fowler's money. Um, I mean, heck, I'd want them to maybe take another guy's money. You know, maybe they take one year of uh, Andrew Miller, who was all right, but is making $11 million to help balance the books a bit. But there's definitely the pieces in place now to go out and make a deal and add. Uh, I think that's why this gets so interesting, because if they bring back in Azuna, they still have a ton of outfielders. I even mentioned that beforehand. You know, Even at this point, you're looking at a team that's outfield, uh, consists, I thought I saw a listing somewhere, of, you know, Fowler, Bader, Thomas, O'Neill, Edelman, and Dylan Carlson on the cusp. And, I mean, I, I thought Yaro Munez was a really interesting performer a year ago. Uh, you probably want to keep Bader to play center field and Azuna slot in one of the corners. I would assume you'd see some kind of combination with Lane Thomas, Ty O'Neill, Tommy Edelman getting some reps, uh, eventually with the expectation that Dylan Carlson comes up. And that's why I think they prefer to keep Carlson to Gorman, because Gorman's just farther off. And if you're the Rockies, you can uh, talk about his Gorman's immense power potential and how he could eventually take over at third base for your team. So I think there is a logic there. I think there's a definite logic. I don't see the logic at all when it's that the Rangers are interested, because the Rangers minors are like bottom two in baseball. They're really, really bad. But, yeah, I think I think St. Louis gets really interesting. I think they immediately start calling about Arenado, and I think Libertor is a piece to use to get Arenado. And I think, you know, Fowler is one of those guys that, especially if they keep Azuna, uh, could go the other way to help balance some salary. And it would be interesting to just see what Colorado does with all of this. Now, this was not the only trade Tampa made today. This is going to be the, the Tampa Bay Rays one. But that you know the Rays are direct competition for the Indians, and the other trade they made is a direct competition deal, as well, um, in terms of the Indians because the Rays made a trade to send Austin Pruitt to the Houston Astros. Now, if you are not super familiar with Austin Pruitt, uh, well, he beat the Indians sometimes, so you should probably remember that. He is an undersized pitcher who has really good spin rate numbers. And Houston said, we'll be given a chance to start for them. Houston's starting rotation is kind of frighteningly bad 
at this point to a degree. I, it's probably wrong terminology. Let's change it. It's, it has no depth. Houston has a good rotation, but the lack of depth, um, it's concerning when you look at some of the injury histories associated with pitchers in general and some of the guys that they have. You look at their starting rotation, it's Verlander, who's going to be 37, Zach Greinke, who's 36, Lance McCullers Jr. at 26, who's had a history of, of arm injuries, uh, Jose Urdequai, who's 25, and then Brad Peacock, who's 32, but has also had arm issues. So Pruitt comes in, and he's got a chance to compete for one of those spots. And you look at who's in their pen, their rotation. Um, you know, Forrest Whitley is the other guy to kind of, you would talk about a uh, top prospect to, to get a chance to go out and uh, pitch for them. Uh, Sinel Perez is another guy who's like that former top prospect who maybe would get a chance to pitch for them. Some guys uh, like Cy Sneed can kind of fill in. Brandon Belayek, who was a, you know, uh, there, there's an approach I talk, used to talk about about just draft guys from Notre Dame because they do such a bad job in development that uh, there's a lot more left there. Uh, Kevin Biggio being an example recently amongst others. But yeah, uh, uh, Brandon uh, Belayek is, uh, is another one. So, I mean, they, they do have some unproven depth, but some interesting arms. So going out and adding Pruitt is interesting. Now, Pruitt is is really interesting because 34th percentile for his fastball velocity. Curveball spin, 98th percentile. Fastball spin, 82nd percentile. So both fastball and curveball spin like crazy. Um, High-moving pitches. He had 47 innings last year, mostly as an opener for the Cardinals. And... But you look at the spin rate data between the two. It's a guy that they are going to control through the 2024 season. Gives them another arm who can uh, start, work the pen. They can find a use for him. He hasn't been super productive um, in the majors in spite of the, the high spin rates and the low walk rates. But he's gotten a little bit better every year. He is entering his age 30 season. Uh, he'll be 31 in August. So he is a bit older. But yeah, his value came in basically that uh, the high spin rates make him interesting. Now in terms of what Tampa got back, um, I, I was looking at the, you know, Peyton Battenfield, who was taken just this past year in the ninth round. And when I see someone like that, I was like, oh, is he a senior sign? Uh, interesting that he was, he was a two-way guy uh, in college. We haven't seen that in the pros. You he went down and was pretty successful in the New York Penn League in 39 innings, uh, both as a starter and a reliever in that time. High strikeout rates. He had high strikeout rates in college at Oklahoma State. The big difference for him this year, as opposed to the previous years, was his hit rate um, really dropped pretty massively. His his strikeout rate got better every year. His walk rate got better every year, but the, the hit rate had a pretty massive uh, decline. So he's a... You know, a six foot four right-handed relief pitcher is kind of what he's mostly viewed as, and he was a you know ninth round pick this year. And then the other guy is Cal Stevenson, who how old is he? I feel oh no, I guess he is. He's only twenty three. It's just because he's been drafted so many times, um, drafted out of high school and then drafted by the Blue Jays. I'm not even sure. Uh, he went from Toronto. I'm, I'd have to go look up uh, how he went from Houston to Toronto, but. Um, 
As a college guy, he's always been kind of old for the level he's played at. Um, the youngest he's been relative to level was like negative 0.7 at high A this year. Um, and he was all right. I, I don't see it. I don't see what made him interesting, I'll be honest. Um, but two teams have wanted to go out and trade for him, so there's something there. Uh, wasn't, you know, it started out at Nevada, went to Duluth, then Kodakut, and then Arizona for two seasons. So the rare fifth-year senior who played a lot of games at every stop, so that's interesting. So I guess he did not, oh, that must be Summer League. Okay, that's Summer League. Um... Yeah, that's how that works. So, no, he was just a junior. That makes a lot more sense. But uh, good, not great numbers. No power shown. Uh, walk rate, that seems to be it. That's the skill. You're looking at a high walk percentage with Cal Stevenson. There we go. I figured out what it is. So, and that makes sense. Tampa probably looked and liked that skill set. I'm going to jump over to baseball reference and just get the exact percentages because I don't want to put it in a calculator. Uh, yeah, so there it is. <laughs> I just started here. Uh, rookie League, 21% walk rate, 35% walk rate. High A this year between Toronto and Houston, uh, 12, almost 13%, and a 19% walk rate. So yeah, he walks a lot. He is, um, yeah, he's, he's, that, that's where it is. So you're hoping that he can produce a high value, see a lot of pitches, maybe wear down guys. Uh, provide some speed while walking at a high rate and hitting for a decent average. The average was a bit up and down this year, but the on-base percentages were, you know, basically 390 over the course of the year because of those ridiculously high walk percentages. So just something interesting. More than likely, he's a your best case is a fourth outfielder, but um, they got him and they got a, a pitcher who's uh, had some success in the short time since he's been drafted for a guy who would have been a candidate to be released from their roster just because of the 40-man crunch that team's under because they are so unbelievably good at evaluating talent. Um, it's kind of frightening right now when you look at just what they have done over the, the past few years. Uh, Stevenson only was a senior sign, so good on him that this is his third organization. Um and that he's elevated himself to the point where multiple teams have wanted him a five hundred thousand, a five thousand dollar signing out of uh, out of college. So I, I I always root for those senior signed kids. Um, it's a rough rough route to the majors for them. So I'm I'm pulling for him at this point. But yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, Tampa got better and Houston was able to go out and do something to help their roster. Uh, to work kind of the, you know, the margins. They went out and worked the margins to try to figure out what is the way that we can be better. Uh, we need more pitching. Here's a guy who's an interesting pitcher. He's had some success. He has crazy spin rate data. Let's go get him. Maybe we can uh, figure out a little bit more with him, though uh, the track record of guys leaving Tampa and finding more is not high. Tampa's been pretty, really good pitching development but yeah it's uh you know the indians were still waiting on there's not much going on but these deals were important to talk about tampa is going to be uh you know the indians let's just get down to it the central is going to be a dogfight. the indians 
are going to hope to win it, but they're also going to have to be honest with themselves that the wild card might be uh, their best route to the playoffs. And Tampa's competing with that New York Yankees team that went out and spent all the money. So, I mean, Tampa's in that situation. And then you look at the other side with uh, St. Louis, and this opens up. And, and that's the other thing to consider, honestly, is just St. Louis still may not be done trading outfielders, even though they've they traded one to the Rangers a while ago, uh, Garcia. They traded uh, two today. They still have even more outfielders. You know, the Indians could always still visit revisit the, the Cardinals because, frankly, the Cardinals' rotation is... Uh, a crap show, uh, to put it nicely, uh, and that could be one of those situations where, you know, no, don't don't think about like Clevenger or Lindor when I say this, because I'm not talking about them, but and I'm also not thinking the Indians could get in and and try to swing the fences and get Arenado, but it, the Indians could make sense in a three-team deal with Colorado and St. Louis, in terms of moving a prospect to get a major league-ready talent. Um, who can help them in one of their spots. Like Ty O'Neill is down in value. Maybe they try to get him because you have multiple years of control. He's a power bat who right now is not even projected to start, um, according to um, roster resources. You know, Lane Thomas might be someone they want to keep instead. And when, as I just, I mean, I look at this lineup it, right now, they have Bader in center, which I think is fair. Edelman in left, right is Fowler. Uh, Matt Carpenter could be someone else who, I mean, the Indians don't necessarily need a Matt Carpenter, and Matt Carpenter is not the Matt Carpenter of a few years ago, but uh, he's another guy where um, Cardinals could look to dump his salary if they are adding salary. And Tyler O'Neill. Uh, last year was pretty ugly, but you go back to 2018, where in 61 games and 142 plate appearances, he had a 116 runs created plus. He had a positive uh, base running score and a defensive score. Uh, but, I mean, I would probably have looked at that and been like, that's not going to stay there because the 40% strikeout and the 5% walk. But, yeah, I mean, if you could get him as a, a cheap, especially because, again, uh, St. Louis could use pitching, so could Colorado. There's a way to make the Indians be able to get an outfielder with the Indians giving up one of those kind of lesser fringe guys, maybe a Plutko type of guy where they, you know, I'm not saying the Indians are going to have to give up great value to, to help the, one of these deals occur. But that's that's basically, you know, the way this could affect the Indians. But the big thing is, you know, Houston is competing with the A's and it's going to be a, a really tight fight between them and uh, Texas is a lot better, and the Central's got three tough teams, and I don't know what's happening with the Red Sox, but Toronto is a lot better than people probably are going to give them credit for. I mean, they went out and had a really strong free agency. They've got a lot of young guys who are maturing. they still got some interesting prospects in the minors. Don't sleep on Toronto. So there's, you know, this today's a day where uh, Multiple teams the Indians are competing with got better. I think both Houston and Tampa are better now. Um, the Indians are still worse than they were a year, uh, you know, at the end of the season, um, by my estimation. So we'll see what they do, where things go. But I thought it was very important to talk about these trades, how they're going to shake things up. We go extra long because it's it's interesting, it's exciting. But uh, yeah, the. Rays are a lot more interesting. The Cardinals still can make a few more trades. 
and Houston added some desperately needed pitching depth. So, yeah, three teams. Uh, like I said, I, I think the one to continue following closely is the Cardinals. This just feels like a setup deal. This feels like step one in a process. I mean, I said the same thing last year about the Padres when they uh, added Taylor Trammell, so we'll see. I could be 100% wrong yet again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these are fun. Thank you for listening. It's another week in the books. We didn't get to talk about the draft. We didn't get to talk about the advanced stats, but sometimes news gets in the way. Uh, we'll get back to the draft stuff uh, next week. We'll get back to the advanced stuff next week. And hopefully we'll get to some Indians news next week. If nothing else, we'll start having arbitration stuff occurring. And that's always fun because it's a horrible process where teams try to lower players' values by talking badly about them. And players try to up their value by overstating how good they are. And then everyone leaves mad because the team pays more than they want. The player gets less than they want. And the player then feels like the team is not respecting him. It is one of the worst things that baseball does. I want to thank you all for listening. Um, We've had a lot of long ones this week, but I, I appreciate you sticking with me. And as always, go Tribe.